0: And we're back. This is Alexander Juan Antonio Cortez, and this is the Art of Health Podcast. All right, people. So a question that I'm going to try to answer directly, what do I think of HIIT training, not referring to cardio, but referring to high-intensity training, a la Mike Menser, a la Alex Jones, a la Ellington Darden. What do I think of this? Um, so this is one of those questions that requires some context. So let's define it first. So... Hit style training is a style of training that is predicated on the principal idea that to create muscular growth, you must thoroughly damage the muscle, and then this will prompt a growth response. That's the simple version of the idea. The further enunciation is that to create this muscle damage, you only need one or two very hard sets of an exercise of multiple reps taken to failure or beyond failure and you can create sufficient muscular damage in one or two sets to promote a growth response and you will get bigger and get stronger and anything beyond those one or two sets is unnecessary and is creating unnecessary fatigue or or further damage beyond your ability to recover and it is counterproductive for muscle growth so the proponents of hit style training and you could throw in um Dog crap training into this, a la Dante Trudell, and I've, I've used that method myself, which I'll get to. So you have a hit training, you have Mike Menser style training, you have dog crap training, you have Dorian Yates, who he was known for his higher intensity approach, where he would do, typically speaking, one, he would do multiple warm-up sets, but he'd work up to an all-out two-failure set, maybe two of an exercise, typically one really hard set to failure, you know, maybe with the drop set and that'd be it. They'd be done. Um, so you you have you have enough history and you have evidence for this, and also clinically as well. This training style, because it works very well in a controlled setting where you're trying to set up an experiment, having people only do one set of an exercise, and then measuring their you know muscular response, their their growth rate. It's very easy to measure. Uh, so there, there's a lot of evidence for it. There's a lot of clinical evidence for it over the years, and the you know the, the not the forerunner, but the, right, the the godfather of it or the the great father of it was Arthur Jones, and he was a very innovative guy. Where he he keyed in on the biological principles of how systems adapt, how living systems adapt, and he realized that you know maybe bodybuilders are over training. Maybe you don't need to do five sets for an exercise. Maybe you can get a growth response from one set. Maybe people train just because they like to train. Maybe you're just expending excess energy. So. The idea definitely has merit. It definitely, definitely does. Where the, where hit training breaks down and where it becomes confounding and not effective or inapplicable is that hit training, it requires very specific conditions to execute properly. And relative to the human body at large, it also overlooks other factors regarding neurological coordination, neurological patternization, motor engrams. It overlooks factors uh, you know, in regards to uh, metabolic development of, you know, in terms of like the energy systems of the muscle. It, it focuses on muscle damage and cream muscle damage. That part of it is true, but it's oftentimes the exclusion of everything else. So let's kind of dive into this. And I, this isn't something where I can say whether it's good or bad. You, you have to really kind of make your own executive decision whether you're going to use HIT-style training. And then also the, you know, again the context you're going to use it in, whether it's relevant to you and whether you like it, don't like it. There's an element of uh, personality to this of whether it works for people. But let's kind of get into it. So to, to rehash muscle growth, muscle growth, you know, at the most simple level is you damage a muscle and it grows bigger from the last time you damaged it. The big question in in fitness and exercise science is how much damage you need to cause to a muscle and. How much does the muscle grow, and how many sets does that really take? The science of reps is pretty well understood. You can do one rep maximum. You can do two reps, three reps. Each subsequent rep range is a represents a intensity percentage of the range that came before it. One rep maximum is one hundred percent of your strength. Uh, you know, doing two reps is about you know ninety percent of your strength capacity. You know, three reps, four reps, five reps, five reps, so on and so forth. The question of sets though gets confusing because the thing is, guys. Everything works. You can find bodybuilders. You can find natural bodybuilders, guys who are, you know, never taken a drug in their life. You can find – and let's keep the situation to – I don't want to bring drugs in this and start confusing people more. But you can find bodybuilders and athletes who have used three sets to great effect. You can find people that have used eight sets. You can find guys that train with 20 sets every workout. You can find guys that train with six sets of workout. And they can have roughly comparable uh, – strength levels and roughly comparable muscular development levels and they can be pretty much they can be pretty comparable physically but their training is completely different so you know well, what's the best way this is where the human body is very adaptable and very variable in its response Hit training like I said it's interesting and it has merit because yes it's true that once you exceed the you know sort of the maximum recoverable amount of muscle damage training beyond that can be counterproductive but at the same time there's so many infinite examples of people and individuals and sports teams and you know entire training disciplines that don't use hit style training for muscle growth and they use far greater volume to get results that you can't say it's a superior system. And the problem with a lot of the studies is that the, you know, studies don't take place in the real world. If I take untrained people who've never lifted weights before ever – and I have them do one heart seven exercise in a controlled environment where they're supervised by, you know, a, a personal trainer slash, you know, exercise science student who's overseeing their exercise performance, and and I look at the results and say, oh wow, this one set builds muscle. It, yeah, of course it does because they went from zero. And let's say I have people where I have them do. Uh, three sets of eight and then I have one person do one set of 15 but that 15 set was taken to failure and three sets of eight were not and I can say oh look at the three sets of eight were similar to the one set but then at the same time let's say I'm using newbies so you know maybe for a novice it doesn't necessarily matter how much you train more so that you train to failure and you create the damage so that's a confounding factor um, and then I can take into account. Well, okay. Well, what if I'm trying to improve someone's cardiovascular capacity, and I only have them do two sets of an exercise, that's not enough of a stimuli- that's not enough of a stimulating stress to prompt cardiovascular adaptations. Okay. Well, then I say, well, maybe I'm just focusing on muscle growth okay, you're just focusing on muscle growth, but maybe a workout can develop multiple physical qualities at the same time. Henceforth, maybe there's merit to doing higher volume training, not just because it promotes muscle growth, but because it promotes these other adaptations. And then the whole thing just turns into this vast wash of, well, you know, what's the best way? There is no best way. There is optimal relative to the conditions of the situation. So HIT style training, how can it work for you? Well, Like I said, it works because for some people, for some people, if you're a novice, you've never trained before, and you do anything over baseline, you're going to get results. HIT-style training also works for people because some people, some people's adaptation response and their ability to recover... This is it's very variable, and for some people, higher volume training exceeds their ability to adapt. It doesn't exceed their ability to recover, but it exceeds their ability to to adapt. What you find very often in like the uh, Arthur Jones stories, or even Dante Trudell's personal story, or uh, you know even um, Dorian Yates' personal story is that they did higher volume training, they hit a plateau, and then they had this question of you know maybe I'm doing too much, or maybe what I'm doing I'm not making gains anymore it's not working and they go back to the drawing board they research the scientific evidence and they go aha i found the answer the answer is that it doesn't it's not about how many sets you do it's about how much muscular damage you cause and they go through the evidence more and they say aha so i really found the answer it's not about this special number of sets it's about whether the set that you do whether that causes enough muscle damage and whether you recover from that damage and exceed your prior level strength and they go aha so I've really found the secret. The secret is progressive linear overload over periods of time, constantly focusing on incremental strength gains and always exceeding your past performance. And then they devise a training system around that that's based upon progressive overload and it works. And and here's the thing guys, that does work. It absolutely it, it does work. If you do Dog crap style training and you go look that up and you do one hard rest paused set of an exercise and you always aim to break your power performance. You will get stronger, you will build muscle. But this is where it breaks down again. Some people, they hate that style of training. Hate it. They they want to do more. And then you have to say, well, you don't need to do more, but what if I do more and I still get the same results? And that happens, that's happened a million times over. Oh, well, yeah, maybe there's other things that do work besides hit. Or maybe, maybe the people that sought out the lower volume, higher-intensity training in the first place, maybe they were the genetic non-responders to higher and moderate volume, and they're the genetic responders to lower volume. Maybe some people are gifted, not in that they need tons of training to, to adapt, but they only need a small amount of training, and then any more than that exceeds their ability to make those gains. So then you get, again, back into the situation of it's a total wash because you're talking about the human bodies on a person-to-person, individual-to-individual level. You're talking about the body's adaptive response curve, so to speak, or adaptive responsibility. You're talking about the body's recovery of its response. And then you're realizing as you try and go through all this data that, wow, everything works and everything works because everybody's different on some level or another biochemically. So you get back to this square one of, you know, like the question I asked, well, what do you think of HIT style training? I think for certain individuals, and I'll try and give some summation here, since I know this is kind of like a, I'm trying to teach you guys how to think about this kind of stuff since, again, there's never a binary, yes, no answer to these questions. So as if you ask me on a professional level, what do you think of HIT style training? I think HIT style training, relative to its guiding principle progressive overload over time, that's a... Foundational gold standard, very concrete principle to build a program around. I will agree that yes, you should prioritize long term strength gains over time. And I believe and I have put into practice with clients and myself that if you make incremental strength gains in regards to reps, where you increase your ability to perform reps with a given weight and then progress that to a point where you can readily handle that weight and then increase the weight a small minor amount again. Again, we're talking about increments, and then you go back through that rep scheme, you can get stronger for a very, very long time. And it will take a very, very long time before you could say that linear periodization, progressive overload has really tapped out. I agree with that. I agree, and I use rest pause methodology in my own training for my own size gains. I do. But but here's where I'm gonna throw a whole bunch of, you know, all the confounding factors. I'm gonna throw a wrench in this. But there are other factors to athletic development besides muscle damage. You have the whole metabolic systems to consider. You have the energy systems. You have you know the cardiovascular adaptations. You have the connective tissue adaptations. You have, like I said earlier, the motor coordination adaptations, the neurological adaptations. All of those things are happening or are supposed to happen at the same time that you're causing muscle damage and damaging the muscle tissue. And those adaptations, they take more than one set. If you only need to do one hard set of something to, you know, build muscle or only one hard set of something to create, you know, an adaptive response, then you could go box for five minutes until your arms got tired temporarily and say, oh, I did all the training I needed. And then you could go run for five minutes, run as fast as you can for five minutes and say, I'm done. I don't need to do anything more. You could go apply that kind of principle to a whole bunch of different domains and it would work. and it would mean that yes, the human body only needs to do something to a minimal level, you know, or just you know, creating you know the, the level of damage so to speak or a level of stimulation, nothing beyond that. But that principle doesn't work. That principle doesn't work for cardiovascular training, it doesn't work for power training, it doesn't work for let's say maximal strength development, you know, and if you want to, let's say like, you know, improve your one rep max and be a competitive powerlifter. It doesn't work if you're an Olympic lifter, it doesn't work if you're a competitive athlete. Doing one set one or two alt sets for muscle growth does not apply to other physical quality domains. It does not apply to other domains of athleticism. It does, not, it does not apply to the other pieces that make up the human body. It doesn't, and you can't argue with that. You can. I can make a very strong case that yes, you should only do one set, or it's recommendable to do one or two sets. I cannot make a strong case at all that you should only do one or two sets, so to speak, for anything else besides muscle growth and hypertrophy. I can't. It doesn't hold up. So what does that mean? Well, to, to simplify that and to, you know, let's be a little bit, you know, uh, reductionist, it means that, like I always say, there's lots of factors to consider. There's lots of conditions to consider when you're talking about strength and size and getting leaner, getting stronger. If you're talking a situation where you say, well, I want to get leaner and I want my training to doubles cardio, I'm not going to tell you to do only one seven exercise. I would tell you to do multiple sets. If you're talking about a situation where I want to maximize my hypertrophy response, I'm probably not going to tell you to do one all-out set. I'm probably going to tell you to do a bunch of sets. Because here's the thing. In the research, if I get all the research together, you can, like I said, you can make these claims that, well, one set can work as good as five sets. I can also say that five sets works as well, if not better, than one set. So I can make the counter-argument. I could get all the studies together right now. I could pull them all up in PubMed, okay? I, I could bring in the experts, and I could tell them, give me everything you have on one set, two sets being superior to multiple sets, and they dump a load of papers in my lap, mountains of them, but then I could also go to the other side of the aisle, and I could say, hey, guys, hey, hey high-volume scientists, hey, the people you know, promoting you know, higher-volume training methods, get me all the research that promotes higher-volume training, and they could dump a mountain of paperwork in my lap, and then everyone would, everyone would argue about who's more wrong and who's more righter and they'd come down to the price, arguments of semantics, and well, you're you know, you're misunderstanding me because you know your conceptualization and you know your your particular perspective it's short sighted or you're paradigm blind or you're falling for these various logical traps and fallacies. Blah blah x, y, z. It would go on forever. It would go on forever. So what does muscle growth come down to? Muscle growth comes down to you damage a muscle and then it grows when you're at rest. How can you damage a muscle? Guess what? You can do one sets, two sets, ten sets. 15 sets, 20 sets. Everything works depending on the person, the situation. Some people, they will do one set and they won't get much response. Again, this comes down to your individual response to training. Some people do one or two all-out sets and they love it and they're perfectly fine with not doing anything else. And you do other stuff for your cardiovascular adaptations and you do just that. And you know those training methods. The thing about the training methods that preach one set or two sets, like dot craft or eight cell training, they're not athletic training methods. Now, athletes are not using those. Typically speaking, you don't see your guys who are playing sports not using those. MMA fighters are not using those. You know, I would not train a boxer that way. Um, people that have to move athletically, there's more to athletic movement than just oh, just damage my bicep or damage my quad. You know, there's like I said, there's all the elements of coordination. So for bodybuilding, yeah, HIIT style training can work. For everything else it's not c- exclusively bodybuilding, you might want to try something else. At the same time, there's also the difficulties that lie with, well, what if you have a beginner that doesn't know how to lift weights? Because HIT style training requires that you have very excellent technical execution of every movement that you're doing. And HIT-style training, especially the Nautilus, like Arthur Jones-style, Elly King-Darden-style training, that requires the use of a lot of specialized machines that people also don't have access to. So I need to take people and put them on machines or have them do free weight movements that they have no experience doing. Oh, and also I need to consider that this is not going to address all their cardiovascular limitations and, you know, their metabolic issues. So, yeah, you know, if I'm am I gonna use hit, hit training with a an overweight guy that needs to lose weight? No, I'm gonna use high volume training because the metabolic cost is way, way, way higher. So then you have to consider that. Then you consider hey, you know, what well, if I maybe I make someone train hit style and they just really don't enjoy it at all. They just really hate it. So maybe I try something else. And maybe because you can't discount the somatic experience where you know, it's the placebo effect not just a, you know, it's, not, it's all in your head. No, that, the placebo effect, the nocebo effect, your some experience, you can change your body's literal genetic response to something, your epigenetic response, your adaptive response. You can change your adaptive response based upon how you feel about what you're doing. That has been proven, proven in science, proven. That's, how, you know, that's been proven a, a thousand times over. If you tell guys they're taking steroids... They will build muscle faster, even if they're, even if you're injecting them with water. So, because the belief that they're going to build muscle faster somehow triggers some massive cascade, biochemical cascade, where they will then start building muscle and strength at a faster rate. And you've changed nothing. You've given them nothing. You just put a belief into them, something intangible, but it's changed their physical reality inside their body. So. The question of personality—whether you like the style of training that you're using—yeah, that plays a massive role in the results you get. What I have noticed over time is that people that are highly rational, you know, let's, let's call it mathematical, oftentimes Type A, uh, you know, let's say minimalist, stoic people—they really take to H.I.T. style training because it's, you know, it's very time effective. It's very easy to measure and assess. You know, you can measure and manage it. It seems very efficient, and it suits their personality. For other people who are more creative or they view training as an exploratory process or they like to go to the gym and, you know, kind of enjoy the experience and it's more, you know, an ec- ecstatic, let's say joyous, let's say artistic endeavor that way, you know, given uh, them developing their body and their physicality, they, they don't like hit style training it Doesn't suit their personality. So then you have that factor. You also have the factor of, you know, if you're a personal trainer, and I have clients and they can't squat or deadlift or row. Am I going to put them on machines and say, oh, we're going to do a HIT style workout? Hell no, I need to rebuild their movement capacity. You can't rebuild someone's movement capacity effectively with HIT style training. Cannot. It, it doesn't work well. At all, because you have to practice these things. If someone comes in, they can't squat. I'm not going to put them on the leg press and say, "Oh, don't worry about it. We just need to build some quad muscle." No, because th- their ability to build quad muscle is inhibited by all of their biomechanical, muscular, fascial inhibitions. That I need to address first. So again, like, well, what, what do you think a hit? What do I think a hit? I think it can work under certain conditions, but as a be-all, end-all philosophy of training, no, it's incomplete, like everything else. So that's my rundown for you guys. Um, I would suggest if you can get a hold of Mike Menser's literature, Arthur Jones, read it. It's interesting stuff. Um, he commits certain intellectual. Uh, both both Menser and Jones commit certain. Uh, let us say, you know, intellectual. Uh, intellectual. They, all, they both present. They both present intellectually dishonest or dogmatic arguments at times uh some 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 which are fractally wrong but at the same time like i said the the underlying principle of progressive overload over time using incremental results that is very or incremental you know increases in weight reps that that is very powerful and that is the foundation of any program that's designed to get you bigger stronger, or any training philosophy that doesn't get bigger and stronger you always have to be making minor improvements you know the you know the, if you know, if you want to sound you know pseudo philosophical the kaizen principle you know a minor improvements over time yeah that's true for strength and muscle that's absolutely true that's that's true for a lot of factors in the body but how that gets manifested on an application basis there is a lot of variety to that so that's my opinion so to speak of Hit style training. If it works for you, your personality, you have the coordination, the experience for it, you think it will suit, you, suit your capabilities, then by all means try it. If it doesn't appeal to you, don't worry about it. You can t- just take the principle of progressive overload, apply that into your overall training, and then go with it from there. So talk to you guys again. Good luck. Train hard. Train smart. Ask questions. Think. Don't be idiots. Adios, people.